Don't have to be beautiful to turn me on the song with her and on the line. We have Claudia. Welcome, Claudia. Hello, Wallace. Well, Claudia, who <laughs> would write a line like that? Only the wonderful, beautiful, inimitable prince. Now, Claudia, you sound American. You I am indeed. You wouldn't happen, just, it's just a long shot, you wouldn't happen to be from Minneapolis, would you? That might be true. You, you are. True. You actually are. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of talking to strangers, oh my that's extraordinary. Which by, the, which, by the way, I love talking to strangers. Oh, you do too? Yes, I do. I know you don't, but it's fantastic. Well, now you do, Wallace. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll try it sometime. I I want to know about Prince of Minneapolis. I mean, uh, I mean, you must be proud of uh, your hometown son, Prince. I really, really am. It's 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 just lovely. It's just the most beautiful, nice, genuine people. Um, a slower pace of life. Mm. Beautiful scenery, four distinct seasons. It's I love it. I'm very proud to be from Minneapolis and, and Minnesota itself. I've heard so much about it. Jack, have you been at all? Jack Yang? Erica, I have walked down the Lake of the Isles. I've been to Nicolette Moor. <gasps> oh, Nicolette, my God. Well, it's Nicolette Moor now, of course. It was Nicolette. It was a road, wasn't it? Because that's where Mary Tyler Moore throws the beret in the what? air. What? Yes. No, yes. I, I love Minneapolis. I think it's a wonderful, yes. wonderful oh city. Oh my God! Nobody ever goes to Minneapolis because it's, it's right dead center in the middle of the country. <laughs> it's a fantastic place, uh, and I, it really, I, really it's is. It's the home of Charles Schultz. If it wasn't for Minneapolis, we wouldn't have peanuts. So, oh, you, we've got two experts yeah. about Minneapolis on yeah, the show. Absolutely. <laughs> Who knows the panel? <laughs> no, 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 I haven't been. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's amazing. And also, on a final note, Claudia, it, it was so wonderful. He had the superstar prince who was so enamoured. He was so in the zone with his hometown. He never left. He always said, this is my home. Yes, and he, and he you know, lived at his beautiful place in Chanhassen at Paisley Park Studios. Yeah. Everything happened from his home. Um, I remember going to Fifth Avenue on Hennepin Avenue. I know that sounds contradictory, but his 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 um his hot spot and where he performed was called Fifth Avenue and I used to work on 7th Avenue and 
just off of Hennepin Avenue, which is the street. And um, it, w- it was all happening in the 80s. And so, yes, that song, Kiss, from 1986, and it was just the time that, you know, I was at university and everything was happening. And it was fantastic. I mean, it was the 80s in the, in the States, <laughs> oh. but it was... It was just awesome. I could keep on talking to you, Claudia. Um, I would love to. But when yeah, I, I love your show, but you got to talk to strangers. Yeah. Forget about that now. Everybody has a history. And, and, sure and they do, Claudia. Yep. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, that's Claudia there who insisted I talk to strangers. Uh, is it, is it, would this be Sir Ian Taylor uh, texting him? Wallace, I have found it really enlightening to take time out and sit on the sidewalk and talk with someone who is homeless, and I have mm. never been disappointed. Mm. Wow. That is wow, isn't it? Um, very good. Thank you for your company this afternoon, and big thanks to Claudia for joining the panel. Noanthi Samara Cohen and Jack Yan with me. A new report shows that 43% of families do not have their children enrolled in the Learn to Swim class, with a further third believing their kids are too young to learn to swim. New Zealand experienced highest annual drowning toll in the past decade last year with 94 preventable deaths, 15% higher than the 10-year average. We have one of the highest drowning rates in the developed world. Water Safety NZ Chief Executive Dave Gerard, he doesn't pull punches, he said it's a national disaster. With us is Cameron Leslie, a Paralympic swimmer who holds, who's a world record holder, three-time Paralympic gold medalist in the men's individual medley, 150 metres, also the disability and para swimming participation manager for Swimming NZ. Cameron, nice to have you on the programme. Thanks for having me. This report shows how many kids are not enrolled, quite the statistic here. What do you think the barrier is or might be? Oh, it's pretty sobering uh, statistics yeah. there, eh? Um, and pretty scary too. Myself, I'm a parent of three, um, mm. and they're pretty sobering to see the read the statistics around the number of parents who think that they could help in a water emergency as well. So it's uh, yeah, it is a bit of a national disaster. Um, it's yeah, the challenge challenge to it is whether it's engagement or whether it's just acknowledging how vulnerable we are. Like you can't be casual around the water, and we mm. as Kiwis are probably a bit of a characteristic of us, right? We're casual by nature and when you're around the water, you can't really turn your back on Tangaroa. You're going to get caught out. And in those moments, you don't get two chances. It's something you no. need to take seriously. It's got to be a wake-up call. I'm just reading uh, your, the WaterSafe new modelling tool predicting another 25 deaths by the end of the month. So this is something uh, we really, really have to get on top of, uh, I guess, Cameron. And learning to swim at a young age is one of those. It is true. Yeah, you can start like you can start super early. Like kids as, as young as three months old can start to learn about water. Like not so much learning about water yeah. safety, but getting confident in the water, being comfortable, um, just being around it, so that they can become more capable. And then engaging in swimming lessons uh, in terms of learning strokes and things like that. Um, but that is always part of that. Is you start with water safety. You start with learning how to be safe around the water. Um, so I think you just got to try and get engaged as early as possible. Um, nice. Obviously, there's a financial side to it as well. Yeah, as part of this week, SwimSafer's got um, go nz and you can either donate or donate a swimming lesson to someone who might be needing a bit of financial support with it. There's some schools who have signed up to the program as well. It's called Swim It Forward is the program. So 
there is uh, there is ways around it. It's just about making sure you you take it seriously and you look into it to figure out how can we how how can we engage our kids with it or even as adults too, right? Yeah, we role model to the kids as well. Yeah. Oh, that's a nice initiative. Easy. Um, pay it forward. Uh, pay Noanthi for someone else's um, uh, swing module. Um, yeah, what's I your like thoughts? that. I like that, Wallace. Um, and and Cameron, thank you for that. Uh, there's a few things going through my mind. One is. Is it me, or are we missing some of this reporting out in the public domain? Because I feel like we need to be pushing some of these statistics and these bits of reporting a lot more and probably more frequently to try and right. build a bit more awareness, I think, in communities and with parents and just with groups. Because um, I am i haven't really read this until, you know, these sorts of things do come up. But you don't actually hear about okay. the background to some of these water statistics and the challenges with it. Um, and the second thing I guess in my mind is what more could we be doing to actually promote, um, and you talked about this, Cameron, particularly with parents, and support them in understanding um, what they should be doing and could be doing for their children. Um, I do like this program that you just talked about in terms of paid forward, but what else could we be doing, I guess? And where does this sit overall from a policy perspective as well? Is it te ora? Is it, you know, who, yeah, who's responsible for it, I guess? I think we're missing the call to action side of it, eh? Yeah. Um, yeah. As, particularly as adults, uh, as adults, as whoever, if you've got kids or not, or if you've got kids involved in your family somehow, yes. it's, uh, it's for taking it seriously. I mean, we all read the stories of when there's been a drowning happen, and we all sort of, yeah, your heart goes out to families who have been either caught out, but you're often the rescuer becomes the victim at times as well. So yes. it's remembering that it's not just talking about young people here, we are talking about adults and just everyone in and around the water um, and taking it actually seriously. Um, you know, you don't want to be reading about your family members who's one of those statistics. Um, is the, the taking it seriously side of it. Like there's, we can have research that we're blue in the face, but unless we're actually taking that call to action, um, there's not a lot that is going to save it, really. Jack? Well, as someone who, who I mean, has... yeah, you yeah, no, no. Sorry, Cameron. I'm one of those... People who are unteachable, sadly. Um, my parents paid good money to have me learn to swim. I paid good money as an adult to learn to swim. No one can teach me. Is there any hope for a bloke like me? Definitely is. Definitely is. You've just got to take it slow and actually not hold the expectations too high. You know, what are you really trying to learn at the start point? Um, mm. And just have a bit of patience with it. Because swimming is one of those things that doesn't happen overnight. Mm. It's a pretty foreign thing for us to feel <laughs> floating in the water and things like that. You feel, You do feel... An mm. absolute mess when you're trying to learn at the start, but it does get better. I mean, she's taken from someone who was, you know, born missing the, the half of my body really, um, and somehow I've been teachable to learn how to swim. So <laughs> don't be scared of or yeah. fumbling around with it at the start. Oh, for good sure. message, Cameron. Okay, just mate. just a minor correction here, Wallace. It's Daniel Gerard, not Dave Gerard, the CEO of Water Safety and Security uh, for, for that. Now, can I just address one thing? Go back to a Cameron, and that is that issue of cost, because we've had a big response from the panel. Um, and there are a lot around the cost. Um, swimming lessons are expensive, unaffordable for a lot of people. I'm a solo mum. I can't afford them. Another one here, solo parent can't afford lessons. So that, I guess, that angle, Cameron, is one to really focus on in the future. On that note, we can't address that right now, but one with we can readdress is that paying it for model pay those who are listening who can afford a bit of uh, a, a bit of money for others what's what's that um, initiative again 
swimsafer.org.nz, I believe it's Swim at Ford, not Pay at Ford, my bad. Um, Swim at Ford. Yeah. Um, Swimsafer.org.nz has information on that in terms of some schools to go to, how to donate. There's a Give a Little page that's set up as well. Uh, I believe last time I looked, there was about 17,000 that have been donated to it. Um, But, yeah, there's lots of people who, last year there was people who would give $1,000 donations to go towards swimming lessons. And I think some of it's putting it in perspective. I had an interesting conversation with a bloke earlier today about um, yeah, he plays football. And it was just social football when he was a kid, and he paid $230 for the 10-week season, um, you know, $23 of, of per game. Um, and he was saying it's fascinating how the, the swimming lesson side of things, yeah, that 10-week season, you don't get anything back if you fin- if you don't turn to turn up to a session. And swimming, often some schools will hold a session over, mm-hmm. give you a makeup session, so you're getting full value out of all of that. And like acknowledging that it's still, it's still money at the end of the day. Um, and it is just prioritizing and putting a bit of a comparison to other sports as prioritizing. well. We don't think it, yeah. yeah, we don't we don't think twice about paying you know hundred dollar subs for a rugby team for the year or buying okay. a hundred dollar pair of boots or whatever for for the kids. But in swimming, yeah, there's still equipment cost to it. But there's it's just prioritizing. Fair like point. You say, that's fair point, Cameron. Summer, right? Yeah, fair point. If mm. there is if there is a little bit of uh, extra uh, that you do have available, why not prioritize swimming over and above? Hey, Cameron, kia ora. Really great to have you on the show. Thank you. No worries, appreciate the time. Uh, that's Cameron Leslie, Paralympic swimmer, uh, world record holder too. And yeah, a lot um a lot of a lot of feedback on this. Gosh, we might have to return to this uh, again actually. Eight hundred dollars a year per child. Who can afford that? We will return to that. But to this Hawks Bay was a buzz this weekend, summary weather and tens of thousands of people there to listen to this man. Well, I wasn't there, thank goodness. Uh, it sounds like Robbie Williams was a hit for many, uh, but do we need to do more in New Zealand to attract big events here to entertain us? Coldplay, Taylor Swift have given New Zealand a miss. Many fans flying to Australia next year to see one of Taylor Swift's seven Australian concerts, but Australia is investing in major events we're not. With us is New Zealand Events Association General Manager Elaine Linnell. Kia ora, Elaine. Um, do we risk falling behind with getting big events here? Yeah, we do. I mean, the right fees for the people you mentioned, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, um, they've just gone up massively. We had some big promoters speak at our industry conference recently, and they said that some artists have tripled their fee since covid And we also know that some of the famous sporting properties and teams have doubled their fees to play because they know that global cities will pay the fees. That's extraordinary. I'll get the panellists to jump in. There's one thing that Australia is doing. They have, there is, I'm not sure if it's state or federal funding, but there there is real investment into entertainment in a way that we're not doing here. Yeah, absolutely. What's happening in Australia are the states are bidding against each other for the events because they know that events are a critical catalyst to help with economic recovery. So they know that by getting the app there, they will make their money back. 
Which would be fair enough to win, be You know, you've got seven Taylor Swift concerts. Uh, just one concert alone will bring... Or like, actually, Rob, Rob, Robbie Williams. One thing about Robbie was uh, Hawke's Bay just being a buzz. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to I'm a bit torn here because I'm trying to work out the mechanics, but the financials here as well. So I guess the question I've got in the back of my mind is, how are we going to actually retrieve the amount of funding we need to actually be a big player and bring in these big names if they are if they've tripled their, you know, underlying starting costs really? It's it's all about just being part of that competition with the bids. So if that means that we're bidding against the states in Australia to bring the bring the big big people over, I think it's also during COVID the government gave the event sector a regional events fund, which is coming to an end, and it was sort of a stopgap to try and help the event sector recover from COVID. However, we still haven't quite recovered, and the costs have gone up. And that fund is coming to an end, which means that we just don't have any money set aside to bring bring acts in, bring the sporting properties in. And the major events like the Rugby World Cups, the FIFA, that sort of thing, they take years in the pipeline. So having a sort of gap in funding means that we're not able to bid on these things for future years. Oh dear, Jack? A lot of things go through our mind on this one. I mean, one, one is, I suppose, a lot of the cities don't have the funds because mm. we're not generating enough high-value jobs, but that's another discussion. Um, probably a discussion you and I had, well, it's about 10 years ago when I was running for a certain job. Yes. Um, but the other one is, uh, can we build good relationships with these artists? Because, you know, if we let them know, hey, we're 5 million people, we're not going to be able to fork out the big money, but come because it's a bloody nice place. Is that realistic at all, Elaine? Um, one example I've got is um, I ghost wrote an autobiography recently and uh, on Parnas Papadopoulos, a swimmer designer. He managed to get Whitney Houston to agree to model for him without forking out big bucks. Um, is it realistic that we can build relationships with these big artists without having cash, but just just great manakitanga? Absolutely. And we've got some amazing, exceptional promoters in this country doing exactly that. Mm. However, New Zealand did used to be able to rest on the laurels of being a fabulous country who hosts great events. Mm. But unfortunately, it is about the money now. You look at the big productions that these artists expect to be able to freight into the country, set up, Mm. have the infrastructure, the people behind it to build the stage sets, everything. It just costs huge amounts of money I can to imagine. put a show on. I can imagine. One, then... Okay, before we, before we go, one question, Elaine, uh, brought up by uh, Viv Beck, Heart of the City, a bed tax to pay for it. You support that? Yeah, it's been successful in other countries. Um, we know that the accommodation sector benefits from hosting events. Um, however, it's a tax, so that's going to take a year or two that's years. That's a big no implement. from Noantha. You're shaking your head vigorously. Not into it. <laughs> oh, I just... Yeah, I mean... It, not everyone benefits from it. So, and we know that events, hospitality benefits, trade benefit, retail benefits, not just accommodation. Okay. So, nice to have you on, Elaine. Elaine Linnell there, and not into it. No. 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 Uh, okay, it's a big no, hard no. All right. Um, uh, I don't care about Taylor Swift personally. I'm <laughs> gutted that suicidal tendencies and no effects are going to Sydney and not here. Punk lives. Says Cat in Wellington. Finally, on the program, imagine this you customise your Mazda 
next thing you know is going to be turning into a Hot Wheels miniature edition to be sold around the world. What an absolute childhood dream that would turn out to be. Well, this is what happened to one Northland man who highly modified his 1990 Mazda MX-5 Roadster. With us, Chris Watson from Tofu Autoworks. Welcome, Chris. Hey, mate. Thanks for having me. Oh, your car. It's amazing. Tell us the story. Oh, it's, it's pretty straightforward, really. Um, I grew up uh, really into the cyberpunk genre, uh, and I used to watch shows like Ghost in the Shell, Akira, all that sort of stuff. And I've also been interested in cars. So one day I decided, hey, why not just put these two things together? And I looked around and I saw all these awesome computer renders, but no one is doing it in real life. So I'm just like, that could be me. And so I, I basically did. And obviously no, no one was doing it. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll figure out how to do this on my own then. And that's, that's pretty much where it all started. It's amazing, and here you are, you bet 15 finalists from around the world. Have you seen a picture of it, Jack? Uh, yeah, I have, actually, on uh, on Chris's Instagram. Congratulations, Chris, I'm a big model car collector, so I am going to look out for yours. Are you now? Yeah, oh, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got over 1,000, so I've got 51 Ooh, years what? collecting, so um, yeah, I will I will look wow. out for yours. I, I remember the gas of over 1,800 that uh, from Hot Wheels, they made the news, yeah. so really cool to see yours. Hey, one question. Do you get a say in how the model gets interpreted? Do you get to talk to the modelers at Mattel? I really hope so, because that's that's going to be one of the trickiest parts with this build, because there's so many tiny details on this car, and that's mm. really what this whole build was about. And when you scale that down 64 times to the yeah. die cast, you know, you're going to lose a lot of that. So I really hope that I'm I'm involved in the process and... I mean, that might be difficult for them because I'm obviously a little bit of a, an artist myself, so I'm going to try and crowbar <laughs> my opinion in there when I can. But, but yeah, it's, um, it's a pretty long process to go from, you know, picking your winner to actually having that ready for production. I think it's, it's about two years wow. is how long they'll be working on it because I think they try, and, yeah, they try and release the die cast, the new model, the same time they'll uh, announce the next Legends Tour, right. which will be in another two years' time. So just sort of lines up that way. Jack Yan has a thousand cars. Go, I know. No I'm empty. just thinking. I'm, wow, yeah. go Jack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I did it the other way. I actually bought the toy first and then bought the one-to-one scale models, kind of the backwards way. But um, what you have cars as well? Uh, no, I mean just just my current car is. You know, I bought. I had oh, the got model it. before I got the got uh, it. The real got thing. it. No empty. And, and yeah. you could hear Chris's excitement as well on the other side. <laughs> I've got to buy it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just stoked. This is this is the most. This unreal thing ever, you know? <laughs> you need to get the release as a premium, mate, because that way you get the two-piece wheels and the extra bits on it, because, you know, Mattel does cut cut costs yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, because they're doing this one as the, the main line, which is going to yeah. be their most accessible, most sort of basic one. Yeah. Sorry, Noanthe, no, you're, you're, you're not getting a word. We've got, the, we've got the pros on. <laughs> we've got I'll, the professionals talking no, about their little cars. You should have never got a car guy on your channel, mate. This is what's going to happen. <laughs> Don't get us started. <laughs> Well, I'm into cars, but not like this. So this is a whole different ballgame. But Chris, can I just ask, how do you fund your chosen art? Um, good question. So I've been through a range of jobs, but I mean, my, my number one tip is just set your budget as low as possible and do it all yourself, really. Yeah. Um, so all I, I have done everything on this car myself wow. with my own bare hands. And when I started it, I was like, I'm, I'm not kidding. I was shaping this car with a two by four with some sandpaper stapled to it. 
That's like that's how primitive it was here. Chris, we've got um, thirty seconds. You better describe the car for our audience. They're dying to know what it looks like, and we'll we'll yeah. put a we'll put a we'll put a uh, picture of it on our website too because it looks amazing. So imagine Mad Max meets Japanese Blade Runner, neon lights, tuna cars, all that sort of good stuff, and then in a, a gritty dystopian wasteland. That's sort of the look I've gone for. It's, it's kind of like a cool Porsche, right? A futuristic Porsche. Yeah, yeah. I, I get a lot of people, they don't believe it's an MX-5 no, when they see it because no. there's no original panels left. No. So needless to say, that day when you get that Hot Wheels in that little packet with the plastic window, you're set. It's a day you'll always remember. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like that's I, I did not see this coming. I mean, I was up against so many awesome competitors and I'm like, yeah, I'll be happy with fourth for an honourable honorable mention. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. And then I was watching the, the live stream and then they sort of skipped over my car when they were judging it. And they're like, okay, well, that was it. And then they get to announcing the winner and it's me. I'm like, oh, they've, they've read the wrong name out. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, it's just amazing. Good on you. It looks incredible. Welcome. Well, uh, well good to have you on. Um, that's us. Went too fast. You've been fantastic, both of you. Noanthi Samara Cohen, Jack Yan. Great show. Thanks to my producer, Ayana. I am back tomorrow, 3.45, when the horns hit. Lisa Owen and Checkpoint next. Kiss.